Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, hello there and welcome to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. I'm Steve Hook. Brian Hesher McLean is, uh, well, he's he's uh, indisposed at present time. He's on assignment, as we like to say here. Now, in past days, he's come on and joined us. Uh, but today, that's not going to be the case because he is traveling. The good news is Hesher will be back in studio tomorrow, and we look forward to uh, to getting him back on the air here full time. In the meantime, we've got a big show for you today, and we're very happy to have you. I mean, we've got some great guests, and we've got a lot to talk about too. Not that we don't always, but now as it it seems that things are really heating up on the uh, on the Hunter Biden thing and on the uh, on the impeachment inquiry. Yesterday, you may recall, we said that well, it looks like around five p.m. the vote's going to go down for this, and uh, Speaker Johnson says he has the votes. Well, indeed, he did in fact have the votes. There was some, uh, there was a little bit of speculation that maybe Ken Buck was going to, you know, pull a John McCain thumbs down. Uh, that didn't happen. Ken Buck voted for it too. Now, of course, this is not for impeachment, but it's for an official impeachment inquiry vote, uh, which is the step before impeachment. This is something that Pelosi never did for Donald Trump. She just rammed it through and went straight on to the impeachment because, you know, that's how tyrants work. But this has got them scared. This has got them very, very frightened. And for good reason, because uh, the Biden international family of grift is uh, finally starting uh, to sweat bullets because the grift has been discovered. People are figuring it out. And I'll tell you who we can thank for that. Two men, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. These, of course, were the two whistleblowers that came out and basically pulled the beans on what the Justice Department was doing, slow walking this uh, investigation uh, and 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 blocking uh, blocking investigators' attempts uh, at getting to the truth. Uh, and Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler came out and testified before the uh, House Oversight Committee and basically just said. And by the way, it's worth pointing out here. I'm stepping on myself here, but I got to point this out. Joseph Ziegler, not that this matters, but it does to those that play the identity politics game. Joseph Ziegler is a gay registered Democrat. I don't know if he's still a registered Democrat, but he certainly was uh, when he was working uh, and when he when he gave his testimony. And now it's getting even better. Yesterday, you know, Hunter Biden pulled a stunt with Abby Lowell. Everybody, including on this program, we've talked about how Abby Lowell is a very, very good litigator. He is. yeah. But, of course, you know, these are the, <laughs> what was the joke? I was, the, the old Stephen Wright joke, 99% of lawyers give the others, uh, give the rest of them a bad name. Well, Abby Lowell is a great lawyer, but he would defend Satan himself if the check was large enough, I'm, I, I assume. And he pulled this stunt with Hunter yesterday to go to the uh, the uh, Senate side of the Capitol and give his little speech and then jump in his motorcade and hot-foot it out of there. I mention that again because it's worth pointing out that Don Jr. testified b- behind closed-door deposition. Ivanka Trump testified at a closed-door deposition. Eric Hunt uh, testified at a closed-door deposition. Jared Kushner testified before a closed-door deposition. So all of this crap you hear about them saying, 
Well, why won't they do it in public? Why won't they do it in public? They're trying to hide. No, they're not. They know that in public, every single buddy on that committee, including all the Democrats, gets their five minutes their five minutes of questions. It would have turned into nothing but filibustering and blocking and everything. In a closed-door deposition, you have to sit for hours at a time, and you have to answer questions, and there's not a time limit. That's why Don Jr. sat for over six and a half hours behind closed doors giving his deposition. By the way, it's also worth pointing out that Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, nor Jared, none of them were indicted for anything. Hunter Biden has been indicted which explains why he doesn't want to give a closed-door deposition, because what would he have to say there? Well, my suspicion is he would probably say, I'm going to plead the fifth. Now, in a weird twist of fate, what's good for Hunter legally is horrible for his father, and to a larger extent, the Democratic Party, politically. If he gives, the, if he pleads the fifth, you might as well plead guilty at that point, right? At least in the eyes of public opinion. So this is why Abby Lowell was hired, to keep him from having to do all this. Today, though, the other shoe is dropped. The assistant U.S. attorney who was accused of limiting questions related to President Biden during the federal investigation into Hunter Biden is sitting for a transcribed interview at the House Judiciary Committee today. She's been there for a long time. We're talking about assistant U.S. attorney Leslie, former assistant U.S. attorney Leslie Wolf. She no, she no longer works for DOJ. Well, she was subpoenaed last month, and today she's sitting before that panel, and she's having to answer a lot of questions that I would imagine she didn't want to have to ever answer because she's the one that was throwing up all these roadblocks. I'm reading from foxnews.com. It says, Fox reported that her testimony began uh, and that she is no longer employed by the Justice Department. Whistleblowers Gary Shapley who led the IRS portion of the Hunter Biden probe, and Joseph Ziegler, a 13-year-old agent within the IRS Criminal Investigation Division, alleged political influence surrounding prosecutorial decisions throughout the Hunter Biden investigation, which began in 2018. It's 2023, damn near 2024, and this, this hasn't wrapped up yet. Meanwhile, hundreds and hundreds of J6ers are still in jail or about to be arraigned or about to be arrested and they're on no fly lists and stuff it's it, it's anyone who ever says that we don't have a two-tier justice of uh, uh two-tiered system of justice is obviously lying it, it's pretty patently clear we do shapley gary shapley had alleged that wolf sought to block investigators from asking any questions related to uh, uh president biden throughout the years-long federal investigation into his son Hunter. Specifically, Shapley alleged that Wolf uh, worked to limit uh, questions related to President Biden and apparent references to Biden as dad or the big guy. And of course, we know the big guy was on the uh, laptop when he was talking about where all these different various payments were going to go from the CCP, from Burisma, uh, and from all these other countries that they were grifting from. Wolf also is the one that tipped off uh, tipped off the Hunter team that, hey, guess what? You guys better get to that storage bin you've got because they're coming to investigate it. And sure enough, they went and cleaned all that stuff out. And so when investigators arrived, they found nothing. So anyway, Leslie Wolf is testifying today. This is going to be very interesting. It's behind closed doors. Obviously, we don't know exactly what's going on. I suspect uh, Jim Jordan will, uh, you know, shine a little light on some of that before long.
anyway, that's what's happening now. So we're going to continue to follow that. Hey, why not? Speaking of follow, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I love this story. A former diversity manager at Facebook has pleaded guilty to stealing more than $4 million from the company in what the Justice Department says was an elaborate scheme uh, invoking fake vendors and cash kickbacks. <laughs> Certainly working for the right uh, administration, right? Here with the story, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Uh, Ruckus. Well, I, she wasn't. He, I, this this person wasn't working for the administration, but working for Facebook. Four million dollars in kickbacks. What's the story here, Ruckus? It was apparently a quite a little uh, elaborate scheme going on here, uh, Steve. This is one Barbara Furlow Smiles. Uh, her last name is Furlow Hyphenated Smiles. But um, yeah, and she does have a great smile, which is ironic. But I don't know if necessarily she was smiling as she pled guilty to this uh charge uh the accusation is yeah, she stole more than four million dollars from facebook uh through the use of uh fake business dealings in exchange for kickbacks all in order to fund quite a luxurious lifestyle apparently um she uh let's see she's 38 she served as the lead strategist global head of employee resource groups and diversity engagement that's a long title uh, at Facebook uh, while she orchestrated the scheme, uh, according to the Justice Department, from January 17th, uh, sorry, January of 2017 through September 2021. She led DEI programs at Facebook and was responsible for developing and executing DEI initiatives, operations and engagement programs. Now, uh, Carrie Farley, special agent in charge at the FBI's Atlanta office, said, quote, furlough smiles used lies and deceit to defraud both vendors and Facebook employees. The FBI works hard to make sure greed like this does not pay off and those who commit fraud are held accountable. And quote, furlough smiles committed the fraud by linking PayPal, Venmo and Cash App accounts to credit cards that were given to her by Facebook. Then she used those accounts to pay friends, relatives, former interns at a prior job, nannies, babysitters, a hairstylist, and others for goods and services that were never provided to the company. It was unclear if her associates were being charged in connection with the fraud. After those people received the payments, they kicked back a percentage of the funds to furlough, furlough smiles, according to prosecutors. Uh, those kickbacks were paid in cash and through transfers to accounts in various names, including Perlow Smiles' husband. Um, this is the allegations. Some of the kickbacks were allegedly paid in cash, sometimes wrapped in T-shirts and other items, according to the FBI. She also had Facebook hire vendors that were owned and operated by friends and associates who also paid kickbacks. <laughs> to conceal the fraud, Furlow Smiles submitted false expense reports claiming that uh, claiming the individuals performed work on Facebook programs and events. After they were hired, Furlow Smiles allegedly approved fake and inflated invoices 
She received a portion of the money paid to the vendors under the table. Uh, Furlough Smiles also misled Facebook into paying money to entities who didn't not provide kickback, who did not provide kickbacks, excuse me, including nearly $10,000 to an artist who created specialty portraits and more than $18,000 to a preschool, according to the complaint. Um, U.S. Attorney Ryan K. Buchanan said, quote, motivated by greed, she used her time to orchestrate an elaborate criminal scheme in which fraudulent vendors paid her kickbacks in cash. She even involved relatives, friends, and other associates in her crimes, all to fund a lavish lifestyle through fraud rather than hard and honest work, end quote. Uh, yeah, uh, this uh, luxurious lifestyle, apparently, uh, that the illicit funds were used for, for, for low smiles, uh, were uh, taking place and spent in California and Georgia. So there you have it, Steve. Uh, you got to spread the love around, you know. <laughs> I just I'm laughing because you could have you you could have replaced her name with Hunter Biden and it would have been the exact same story because that is exactly what Hunter Biden has been doing. He's been getting uh, kickbacks and fraudulent cash uh, from various countries around the globe and spreading it around his family, too. I guess, you know, uh, it, you know, that's that that's that's that's. That's a pretty, pretty crazy scheme. Four million. Holy cow. That's uh that's a little bit less than a quarter of what Hunter has been accused of doing with uh with his family for the last several years. But uh so she's gone. She's gonna be going to jail, I assume. Um, did she did she give a closed door deposition? Uh do you know that? Or did, did, was she deposed? I know I did not see her uh, on the steps outside the U.S. Capitol building uh, giving an emotional <laughs> plea that she's innocent, Steve. So I hope that answers that question. Yeah, <laughs> this is all a scam drawn up by some MAGA Republicans trying to make me and my husband look bad. Four million dollars. Well, hand it off to Facebook for at least uh, copying to the fact that they've been scammed. Uh, what a crazy, crazy story. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what else, Ruck? Has you got anything? What, did, did they, does the yeah. article mention how much time she's looking at? Or, well, okay, so she just pleaded guilty. So her sentencing is scheduled for March of next year, uh, twenty twenty-four. Uh, so uh, that's pretty quick, actually. All things considered, uh, I think there are J six defendants still waiting their sentencing. Just saying. Yeah, good point. Good point. And I'd wager she didn't pay taxes on that four million dollars either. So. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of smoke and a lot of fire there. And she's going to go away for a, a pretty good while. I'd imagine anyway, interesting story. Uh, thank you, Ruckus. As always, my friend, we'll look forward. We will chat with you again next hour. Correct. That's correct. Good. I'll talk to you then, Steve. All right, brother. You take care. Thanks a lot. There he goes. That's Adam Clark, AKA Ruckus. You are watching and listening to state of the nation on TNT radio. As I mentioned, we've got a great show. We take a real quick breather. We come back on the other side of it. Amy Peacock is going to join us, and we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about some strange things going on uh, with, uh, well, you know what? I'll save it, but it's a very, very interesting conversation with Amy Peacock coming up next on State of the Nation on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 
49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. Some very strange happenings have been occurring on websites and social media accounts concerning January 6th and, of course, COVID-related coverage as well. Would it shock you to learn that rumble feeds and live coverage of GOP debates have been interrupted in real time as uh, phony narratives have been being discussed and being challenged on these uh, platforms? That's exactly what's going on. Joining us now to discuss all this, BitChute, uh, Chief Policy Officer, and our friend, Amy Peikoff. Amy, hello. Welcome back to State of the Nation. It's so wonderful to see you. How are you today? Doing okay. Thanks so much for having me back. It's kind of a dark day because of the NDAA passing in Congress. Um, but yes, what we're here to discuss is uh, another troubling issue, which is these DDO attacks. Um you know, coincidentally, or actually probably not coincidentally, BitChute is sustaining similar attacks this week. Those are ongoing. And so uh, we are actually suspicious that they might be related to the attacks that have taken place on Rumble earlier this week and, of course, last week as well. Yeah, let's talk about those attacks because this seems to be very coordinated. Uh, I suspect we, ha- I-, I suspect you have a suspicion of maybe not exactly who's doing it, but maybe who is who is uh, kind of manipulating all this. We know that uh, when Rumble started uploading a lot of these videos of J6, which really kind of blew the narrative wide open on this, on what really happened. I mean, we saw cops high-fiving each other, some of them wearing MAGA hats. We saw people uh, uh, carrying Gadsden flags and then flashing tin, flashing their, 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 their badge to another cop. So they... Um, what happened with the J6 footage that Rumble was? Let's talk about that one first. What happened there, Amy? Right. So there was a dedicated channel that a subcommittee of Congress set up on Rumble in order to put out all of this footage. And I think they put 40 some odd hours of footage up when Rumble started to get sustained attacks on its system. And in fact, Rumble was down for, I believe, 10 or 11 hours earlier this week, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, at BitChute, of course, we share with Rumble the idea that in order to address problems of so-called misinformation and just to get at the root of the truth, that we need to allow the maximum amount of free expression 
uh, possible under the law. And part of this, of course, is to give people as much information about events like January 6th as possible. And this repository of video is essential for everyone to be able to access and view for themselves and decide for themselves what was really behind that event. Yeah. And, and, and as they do, and as I did, and I, I started looking at some of that video, uh, it wasn't lost on me that, oh boy, this is really completely different than what Rachel Maddow is telling me happened. This is a lot different than what Wolf Blitzer and uh, the view ladies told me what happened. This looks like it was a complete setup. And now, and I think I should point this out. Amy, of course, is the uh, chief policy officer of BitChute. Mm -hmm. uh, formerly, she was the CPO of Parler. Now, Parler right. was basically blown offline, probably by the, do you suspect, probably the same crew that was that, that's messing with Rumble right now and maybe messing with BitChute, if not the same exact people, certainly the same team. I'm not sure. You know, obviously, we don't really know that. And, you know, we've talked before about the fact that I wrote an open letter to Congressman Jim Jordan, who is the chairman of the Weaponization Committee, and he has yet to answer my request that they include the deplatforming of Parler in their investigation. So we don't know exactly what was behind Parler's deplatforming, we can suspect. But the thing about, I mean, I don't know the data behind um, Rumble's DDoS attacks, but our team has looked into the DDoS attacks on BitChute this week, which again, we you know suspect are related. And they are unusual in the fact that many of the origins of the hits are from United States. If you go onto the blog at BitChute, you can see a graphic where we show graphically the origins around the globe of the attacks that have been taking place and still are taking place on BitChute. Now, BitChute, we have a very solid infrastructure. We've been down for maybe a minute or two at a time. So we are very fortunate, but nonetheless, we are sustaining these attacks, millions of attacks. And, um, you know, as I said, the origins are kind of suspicious. We don't know any specifics more than that. Geographic origin is all we have, but it's, it's worth looking into, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would think so for sure. Now, for those of us who are, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an analog guy living in a digital world, Amy, I, I gotta be honest with you. But for those of us who don't know, what exactly is a DDS attack? What, is, what does that mean? Okay, so I'm maybe one step more than you, only because I've talked a little bit with my tech guys this week. But <laughs> as I understand it, what these computers do, and these might be computers that have been hacked with some kind of malware and so are being commandeered in order to do the following, which is what the computers do is they send requests to our website, to bitshoot.com, and they send them over and over and over at that very fast rate. So you'll get millions of requests within seconds or something like that. And what you have to have is a very strong infrastructure that can absorb all of those requests and still remain operational. It's quite a challenge. So I don't know who has nothing better to do with their time than try to take down content that challenges their narratives. But these people, you know, the ones behind the attacks on Rumble, the ones behind the attacks on BitChute, all they've done is they've confessed that they don't have any good arguments for their own yeah. narratives. 
they're intellectually bankrupt. And so they find their only option is to use force. In this case, the type of force is this sustained sort of attack on the computer networks. Yeah, well, you know, tyrants are going to tyrant. And, and I must say, Amy, that in, in a very strange way, what you've just described is basically a digital version of the Cloward and Piven strategy overwhelm the systems to the point where they crash and they can't keep up. We're seeing this on the southern border. Uh, we're seeing this in in various aspects of uh, uh, of the country right now. We're uh, are you know we're seeing infrastructure that is strained to the point of breaking, and then they got to come in and fix it. But in this case, it certainly does seem nefarious because it seems to me, and we know that Rumble and Bitchute, uh, libertarian conservative uh, slants to both of these uh, sites. They're the ones being attacked. I don't think this is happening to uh, Facebook. I, you know, I, I doubt it's happening. I'm sure to, Facebook uh, gets its share of DDoS attacks. Obviously, I don't have any glimpse on the inside, but of course, they have much larger infrastructures than either of, of our two companies. And as I said, you know, BitChute's a pretty solid independent stack. And so, so far, we've been withstanding these. But, um, you know, I think the attacks that we're sustaining are disproportionate. Right. Yeah. Um, disproportionate for sure. And I do suspect it's because of the content that we allow and that people just don't want the truth getting out. Yeah. Well, listen, we've talked about Rumble. I want to take a real quick break just for a headline. Come back. Let's talk about what happened to Vivek Ramaswamy as he started addressing the COVID narrative, because that's another yes. one. This seems very malicious, very nefarious. And frankly, very targeted, uh, and which is, you know, that raises a lot of red flags. Our guest is Amy Peikoff. We will return uh, with her on State of the Nation right after these headlines on TNT Radio. What brings you here? News. News entirely. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Australian federal government has announced its intention to initiate trade negotiations with the United Arab Emirates starting the new year. In New Zealand, the Deputy Commissioner of Police has defended the actions of his officers despite the Independent Police Conduct Authority confirming six instances of misconduct by the police during the 2022 protests at New Zealand's parliament. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare has released a report revealing that indigenous children are significantly overrepresented in Australia's youth detention system. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio. Dot live. Okay, we are back with Amy Peacock, and we're discussing these uh, very strange cyber attacks on uh, on on her site, bitshoot.com, as well as Rumble. Uh, and now let's address uh, let's address what happened to Vivek Ramaswamy during a GOP uh, uh, debate. Uh, Ramaswamy was discussing COVID, and this is why I'm and I, I don't know how anybody can deny this. This happened in real time, Amy. So these people are watching what's going on, and wham, they're attacking. At least that's what it looks like. Uh, he was discussing some of these what we used to what we used to refer to as COVID conspiracy theories. Now they're just kind of COVID conspiracies. Uh, and he was discussing this at a debate. What happened? And uh, walk us through that one. 
Sure. Now, I was watching the debate on News Nation, so I did not see this, but those who watched Rumble, and I've got many reports, people who are trustworthy who saw this with their own eyes, and plus there's footage of it, you know, circulating on X. What happened was Megan Kelly, kudos to her, asked a question of Vivek Ramaswamy to discuss the warp speed development of the mRNA vaccines, and in particular, the immunity from legal liability that was enjoined, excuse me, not enjoined, enjoyed by the manufacturers of those vaccines, right? So people who were injured, uh, maybe even killed because of the mRNA vaccines don't have any real recourse. It's limited. And so you could tell in the way that she was asking the question that she was wanting Ramaswamy to blame Trump, right? And that was what sort of stuck in my mind. And Ramaswamy, I think you've known, has really sort of uh, resisted saying particularly bad things about Trump. He has sometimes criticized Trump, but in this particular case, what he chose to address, which I think is the right thing, is the fact that the program, the law, which gives legal immunity to those manufacturers was actually enacted by Ronald Reagan. Right. Yeah. But what I'm telling you is people who listen to the question didn't know that. And so as soon as she's asked the question, the stream on Rumble cut off and nobody got to see Ramaswamy's answer. And Ramaswamy, of course, went on to say that he disagreed with this law and that if he became president, he would undo this. You know, he likes Ronald Reagan otherwise, but he disagrees with this. And so do I. I think it's the right thing to do that you would allow, uh, you know, people to sue manufacturers of the vaccines for damage. You might have a different standard of care by the fact that they were acting in an emergency in order to address a pandemic or whatever, but all of that should be worked out by the courts. You shouldn't have this blanket immunity. And that was what he was talking about. Uh, he didn't end up criticizing Trump, but nonetheless, no one got to hear anything that he said for all those minutes. And Rumble went to commercials and some other stuff that you can see if you go out there and find the footage. Um, in my mind, I would say I wonder if the two attacks on the stream, you know, the cutoff of, of their footage was related. Right. But here it was very particular, very targeted, just this one live stream. And of course, the you know more widespread outage we saw earlier this week took the whole site down for hours. So I'm not exactly sure that those two are related, but I kind of wonder. Yeah, well, yeah. gee, wonder why you wonder. Um, <laughs> it it does seem it does seem like I said it, that's in real time. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I saw the video by the way. I watched it and. Yeah, it's it's obvious. I mean, she asked the question, he starts to answer, boom, it's gone. Boom, gone. Uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, just gone. And it was a great it, answer. It was very good. Yeah, well, yeah, you can go back and you can find exactly how he answered, but you, you, you didn't see it on Rumble, that's for damn sure. And uh, you know, I mean, we know when we talk about this and uh and by the way, I agree with you about Megan Kelly. I don't know what it is with her and Trump, but she still has some kind of animosity there, whatever. Uh, but Th this issue, it's worth it for me anyway. So go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I agree. But I just find the whole thing. It, I, it, it's like we're living in we, we, we I would say we're living in an Orwell novel. Uh, but I mean, this is brave new world stuff. This is like uh, we're, we're getting into real insanity here uh, mm -hmm. where 
I mean, the world has kind of changed a lot in the last 25 years since the advent of the internet. And it's being weaponized in a big way. And everything seems to be being weaponized. Um, I wonder what is, is anybody investigating this? And do you have anybody at BitChute that security, uh, digital security, they may be able to backtrack some of these IPOs or anything? Are these, are these attacks very, very well hidden and, as far work? as I understand, it is very difficult to actually pinpoint the exact origins of these. And as I said, all that we have is geographical data. So we just know that the IP addresses that are, you know, originating these requests, this high volume of requests are coming from largely United States, which again is unusual given the history of DDoS attacks on BitChute. And so I do think it, it's very suspicious. Yeah. These attacks typically come from Russia, China, or some other outside factor that's just mm -hmm. trying to mess with us. But this looks like it's, and, and, you know, once you start talking about uh, the mRDNA test or the MDR, whatever the hell it is, th those <laughs> vaccines and stuff. MRNA, yes. MRNA, there it is. Thank you. Uh, once you start talking about this, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. It doesn't shock me that somebody would want to shut that down. Because from what I understand, Amy, uh, that while they did get liability coverage, so they can't be sued. That's still limited. If we find out that they lied, that Pfizer or Moderna or J&J &J or one of those companies absolutely lied about th these tests, then all of that goes out the window. And it seems like every time that somebody yeah. starts to get close to that, it, it shut down. I would assume that that would be, you know, a requirement in the law. I haven't read in detail the law myself, but I do know uh, that one of the things that has extended this immunity for them was the addition of these mRNA COVID vaccines to the childhood schedule. And I think you and I know that whatever you want to say about older or more vulnerable adults being good candidates for at least the initial mRNA vaccines, uh, I think there was no reason ever to give any child these vaccines, at least not any healthy child. So the idea of putting them on the recommended schedule of routine vaccines for kids is just unfathomable to me. And I think it was purely motivated by this extension of legal immunity. Yeah, yeah, for, for the manufacturers. Money, money, money. Money makes it, you know, money is the root of all evil. Power so, so yeah, so, the, you know, but the gist of this all is if people have actual arguments and they know that they've got the truth on their side, then they're going to respond to your challenges with more information, with more arguments. They're not going to resort to force in any form and certainly not these stupid lame DDoS attacks. You know, you got some guy, some hacker in a back room saying, oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll shut down these people. I'll just, uh, you know, deploy some viruses, get some bots working on the, the website or something that there's no bigger sign of intellectual bankruptcy than that. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, obviously, they, they, if you don't if you don't have an argument, if you don't have a debate, if you don't have a counterpoint, uh, just start hitting them with spam. Just start hitting them with DDSO attacks. Just shut them down, for God's sakes.
I'm wondering, well, and you know, I'll tell you what, Amy, we only got a minute or two left here, but it's not lost on me that when, when Tucker Carlson started talking about this and he did, he brought these, this same issue up. And he also, it's funny because he brought both of these issues up. He brought the, the COVID response up, uh, and the, the truth of J six, both of those topics were top of mind during the last week of his employment at Fox news. And then he was let go. Hmm. Very, yeah. very odd, don't you think? Remember, mm -hmm. he said, I've got all the, I've got hundreds of hours of videotape. He showed roughly uh, 120 seconds of it. Then he talked about Pfizer. Then he talked about Moderna. And then he was fired. It's just uh, very scary. Well, listen, before we let you go, first, I got to ask you, how is BitChute doing other than these stupid attacks? How How is the site doing? I mean, the site is doing well. And so I think this week for us, it was a, a bit of a learning experience that, yeah, you know, our, our infrastructure is strong. It is resilient Good. and we're bringing new features on. So come on over to bitshoot.com, check it out, maybe sign up for a membership if you believe in free expression and user privacy as, as we do. And in the next year, we're going to have PayShoot and some other exciting things as well. Oh, good for you. Amy Peekoff, listen, thank you so much for joining us. In fact, it's funny because I just registered with BitChute last week. So I'm going to oh, be uh, definitely. Yeah, so I'll be seeing you on site. And, uh, and and good luck. Keep that security up. God knows you're probably going to need it because as your voice gets larger, uh, so too, I, I suspect, with the attacks against your voice. Because freedom of Upcoming speech Upcoming elections, we've got to stay strong. Yep. Absolutely. But we can't have free speech in this country anymore. Yeah, yeah, you can. Bitshoot.com, bitshoot.com. Go check it out. Yep. Amy Peekoff, thank you for giving us some time on State of the Nation. Look forward to seeing you again. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. You too. Okay, bye-bye. There she goes. That's Amy Peekoff. She is uh, she is absolutely wonderful. All right, you are uh, listening and watching State of the Nation on TNT Radio. We'll be back after this. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Congratulations to new Argentine President Javier Malay, who was sworn in over the weekend. Malay's election last month rocked the South American nation and the world and returned Argentina's government to the people after decades of socialists robbing them blind. How blind? The hyperinflation in Argentina has been outrageous, impoverishing up to 40% of the population. Inflation for 2023 stands at 183%. As bad as Bidenomics is, at least it's not that bad. And President Malay set an example for once and future President Donald Trump by signing an executive order as his first official act in office that reduced the number of ministries from 21 to nine. 12 ministries such as the Ministry of Women genders and diversity are no more. Not only will that help the bottom line in Argentina, it will expand liberty and bring a better quality of life to the Argentine people. Here's hoping that that happens in the United States in 2025. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. My character, Shazam, knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. Shazam! There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. 
Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Conversations about what matters the most. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right. Earlier this week, the feds warned of a heightened a heightened risk of violence during public holiday celebrations. And this should come as a shock to absolutely no one. However, the Biden administration refuses to budge from its wide open border policy. Threats be damned. They don't really much care. We seem to be in the midst of a renewal of a September 10th, 2001 mindset where we just take our eyes off the ball. Joining us now to discuss the open and festering wound of our southern border and our northern border, it should be said, security expert and CEO of Sentinel Security Solutions, Charles Marino. Charles, hello, sir. Thank you for joining us on State of the Nation. How are you today? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks, man. It's good to see you again. Um, Yeah, likewise. I, you know, I, I've been watching these videos, Charles, on TV, and I, I know you've seen them, of thousands of people at what seems to be stretching for miles along railroad tracks, all waiting to get into this country. Uh, we know that a whole bunch of gotaways uh, have have gotten away, uh, and those are the ones that people witnessed. God knows how many that we've never seen that have entered this country. Is it true that these mass when you when you get nine, ten, twelve thousand people at one border checkpoint, is it that kind of a uh, duck and dodge by the cartels? They're saying, "Hey, look over here, overwhelm this part of the border," and then these high-ranking terrorist types or or perhaps other foreign actors, they're going to sneak them to another sector where nobody's looking because they're so overwhelmed at the other border. Is 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 that what's happening? Yeah, the cartels have been and, and and recently have become even more complex organizations. And what you're referring to is do they use diversionary tactics uh, to get us to look in one area of the border uh, while they circumvent another location? Absolutely, they do. Look, they've never been more powerful at any time in their history than they are now. And a big part of that is because of the policies that this administration has unveiled here in the United States almost three years ago. It is basically booming their business operations. Um, so they've, they're able to expand, they're able to uh, implement technology uh, to make sure they're successful, uh, and they're able to use various techniques. They're operating these days very much like a terrorist organization, which is why I've called over and over again, including on this show, to change their designation to terrorist organizations so we can up and change the ways that we're going after them. Yeah, well, it's a good call. It's a call that's probably going to fall off ears, at least with this administration. Maybe yeah. next year we can have that conversation again, and hopefully it'll uh, be more uh, more about security. Because, And we've said it, and I think you said it last time you were on with me and Hesher. Uh, by the way, Hesher told me to say hello. He'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, we've talked about it, is, is that these guys are making money hand over fist. For the longest time, we called them drug cartels. It would probably almost be wiser now to just call them uh, human smuggling cartels because they're doing the drugs, but they're making a lot of money off these uh, this human smuggling. Not Not hundreds of thousands, not millions, billions. Isn't that true? It is. Uh, and look, they're working alongside some of our biggest adversaries, those we know about and those we don't. Um, they're working with China. 
uh, to kill hundreds of thousands of Americans through fentanyl. Uh, no concrete steps have been taken by this administration to stop or interrupt that relationship. Uh, we know that the cartels are trafficking numerous illegals, thousands from special interest locations, uh, many of which are from the Middle East and Africa. Those are problematic. We know that terrorist organizations are still operating. We know that we've got the worldwide threat now based on the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Hamas yesterday putting out a statement essentially saying Americans are targets anywhere they are. So that means around the world, including here in the U.S. We know that our threat level, according to the FBI director, is blinking red. We called this two and a half years ago. Um, what it's done to agencies like the FBI and others that have responsibility to protect the homeland is it's made these risks unmanageable. Um, yeah. You know, before that, all of these intelligence agencies would keep track of the threats against the United States. But as a country, we're facing more threats from more places at any one time in our history. And now you got the overload from the border. Um, and like I said, it's become unmanageable. And I fear uh, that we're in for a very rude awakening because you referred to September 10th, 2001. Our threat level right now is even higher than that day. Yeah, because it was only 19 that were in the country then, or at least 19 that pulled it off. One of them didn't make it. It's supposed to be 20. And now we have no, God only knows how many terrorists are here. And, and by the way, it, it should be mentioned here too, that as we're talking about this, the White House is busy telling us to tamp down on Islamophobia. I haven't seen a lot of that, but it seems to be that they're kind of, they're taking this position of, well, I don't know what position they're taking. What the hell is their position? Because it seems to me that everybody that I hear talk about this, and you're the security expert, uh, we keep hearing it's not a matter of when or if, it's a matter of when when it's going to happen. Uh, Christopher Ray testified the other day, as you mentioned, and he said, I see blinking red lights everywhere. And yet his boss doesn't seem to see the blinking lights and doesn't much give a rip about them. What the hell do you think is yeah. going on here, Charles? Yeah, well, look, just like you have a visual of what's happening down on the border and the American public can see very clearly that the country is being invaded by who knows who. Um, I can tell you that you also have a visual regarding the ineffectiveness uh, of our government when you have the Secretary of Homeland Security sitting side by side with the FBI director, and you've got one saying that the threat level is the highest it's ever been in recent history, and you've got the Secretary of Homeland Security telling a whole different story, essentially undercutting all of the efforts uh, regarding the protection of our homeland, the very reason why that department was created. And you have the head guy who won't even acknowledge about the threat level and the impact of our open Southwest. And you brought up Northern border. Look, those being encountered on the terrorist watch list are actually higher at the Northern border than they are at the Southern border. So we've got wide open borders, North and South, and, and the cartels are expanding. Why make money through only one border when you can multiply it by two? And now the cartels have the operational capability to hit us from all angles. Good Lord. I mean, it's, I mean, it is so frightening and it is so, it, it, the thing is now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think Trump proved this. Uh, 
this is a situation, this is a crisis that could easily be averted. This is a crisis that could easily be put in check if there was the political will to do that. Seems to me that Christopher Ray could be a real hero right about now, and he could stand up and say, you know what? I don't give a rip what this guy sitting next to me says. He's full of crap. He's lying to you politically. Now, he never will do this. I know this is just pie in the sky, but still, I mean, is anybody of of any rank uh, in any of these three-letter agencies going to have the testicular fortitude to stand up and say, this is insane. We are about to attack, probably get another 9-11 on our hands. Could be considerably worse than 9-11. And we're just pretending like, uh, you know, nothing's happening. Well, if you look throughout the history of his recent testimony, that being of the FBI director, he's becoming more forthcoming regarding what the threat level actually is, because at the end of the day, it's going to be his agency that's tasked with having to manage this risk, prevent the next act of terrorism from occurring. And, and in all cases, he'll be left holding the bag. And, and I don't think that's right when he's sitting next to his secretary of Homeland Security, who's being derelict in his duty and, and should have been removed long ago. And and that's one area where the Republicans have dropped the ball. They need to get their act together. They need to move quickly. This guy needs to be out of his job. Um, You know, they're talking about now in the negotiations for funding with Ukraine that they might be open to a Title 42-like policy down at the border. Well, why would we have confidence in that when they didn't enforce the original Title 42 during the height of a pandemic? when they were letting illegal immigrants come into the country without even getting COVID tested. So why do we have any faith in what this administration says they may or may not do when it comes to the border? Look, they're letting as many illegal immigrants into the country as quickly as they can, and only they can answer why they're doing it. We have our suspicions, but only they can answer it, and they'll never give us an answer why they're allowing this to happen. Yeah, so, yeah, well, well, of course they won't, because they... Shut up, plebe. We're doing this for our own benefit, not yours. Um, and 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 now you mentioned that Christopher Ray may be kind of telegraphing something here. This could be a little case of uh, pre-CYA. In other words, he's kind of he's kind of getting yeah. it out there. Hey, look, if it hits the fan, don't say I didn't warn you. Is is that is that what you're kind of alleging here? Yeah. And and look, I don't think the FBI is the only agency that feels this way. Like I said, if you look throughout the whole entire Homeland Security apparatus of all of the agencies that were put in place after September 11th and those that existed before, all of their efforts are being undercut by the very policies of this administration. We spoke about fentanyl. Look at the DEA. Look at what is being allowed to occur. Look at all of these deaths. The DEA can only do so much regarding drug enforcement. And here they're put at a significant disadvantage because of the relationship that the administration is allowing to continue between China and the cartels and the fentanyl coming across the border. Look, you can't ignore that we have a demand problem, but we know where it's being produced. We know that it's being brought through our wide open southwest border. We know that CBP and ICE are not allowed to enforce the law. They've basically been turned into giant processing organizations to get these migrants through the border as quickly as possible. The budget tells the story. We have no further to look. They don't want these guys enforcing the law. They want them processing illegals into the country. And that includes if they're bringing drugs across. 
Yeah, and it includes if they have any kind of criminal record, which they have no way of really knowing. It's just, I mean, it is just so reprehensible. And 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 what I really fear uh beyond well, you know what? Let me let me rephrase this. If I were a Democrat, if I were a high-ranking Democrat, I would be sitting on pins and needles. Because if something does happen because of that wide open southern border, and I suspect you think something probably will happen, may not be as serious as 9-11, maybe a lot worse than 9-11, but a whole bunch of serious attacks are very well in the pipeline. And if I were a high-ranking Schumer, uh, for example, or if I were, uh, you know, anybody with any power inside the DNC, I would be very nervous about this because if that attack happens, the Democrat Party is devastated because of it don't you think i'm not trying to think about their safety i can give a rip about the democrat party at this point they seem to have no concern for my or my family's safety or yours but wouldn't you think that just self the act of self-preservation somebody in the democrat party would stand up and say you got to shut this crap down well they don't fear consequences in terms of the electorate in their home districts um because there's been no accountability the voters uh, have not held them accountable for previous poor decisions or the poor decisions that are being made right now. So certainly uh, they're betting that they're not going to be held accountable uh, if a terrorist attack occurs in this country because of their poor policies. And again, that falls back to voters. Look, that's why sanctuary cities are the way they are. That's why I've said, wait a minute, why are we giving federal public safety grants to sanctuary cities who have yeah. already proven to the rest of the country that they're not for enforcing law and order. Why do we keep sending them money? But the same people keep electing the same old folks to office. And these are the these are the results that they seem to be happy with over and over again. So the politicians are betting that their voters in their districts are just not going to hold them to account. And in most cases, they've been right, unfortunately. So a big part of the blame goes to the voters. That's that's well said. It's sad that you have to say it, but it is true. The funny thing about that, Charles, is that voters in, like, say, for example, New York City right now are raising all kinds of hell about what's going on with regards to immigrants living in train stations, living on the sidewalk. Of course, we've seen the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, what's going on in San Francisco and L.A. Um, so some of these people are starting to wake up. They say it's real easy to, to signal your virtue. Uh, it's a little bit harder when somebody says, okay, now let's, uh, you've made your virtuous bed, time for you to lay in it. All of a sudden they start bitching, don't they? Well, it's starting to come to the neighborhoods of the elitists. Let's remember this border crisis. They thought it was going to stay down in Texas. They thought it was going to stay down in Arizona. Well, guess what? Now they see planes flying from DHS, from other non-governmental organizations, relocating these migrants all over the place. Remember what happened up in Martha's Vineyard not too long ago. How fast did they get those illegal migrants out of town? Uh, I mean, you would have thought they had Ebola, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying, right? Now it's in the neighborhoods where people thought it would never be. It's starting to impact their local schools where they're housing migrants, the local yeah. hotels where New York City's paying to put these folks up in, in, in five-star hotels, right? It's starting yeah. out, crime starting to go up. Look at Mayor well, Adams' approval rating down to what twenty five percent. Yeah, and last week he said any New York mayor in history. Yeah, and last week he said help is not on the way. Speaking of the feds, it's Charles Marino, we're going to have to rock and roll right there. But uh, I can't wait to get you back on the program, and I hope next time you're on the program, we're not talking about the attack that just happened. 
Have a wonderful day, my Let's friend. Pray. Thank you. All right. Thanks, All right, you Steve. got it. Take care. There he goes. That's Charles Marino. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT. We will be right back on TNT Radio after this.